Welcome into the Nebraska 24-7 podcast, post-Minnesota Miracle Edition. I'm Mike Schaefer. That voice you heard was Brian Christofferson. Silence is Michael Brunts. I'm just getting out of the way. You didn't want to do the Viking horn? No. We'll start with you first. What were your thoughts on that comeback victory? So so should we do this the right way? We're 25 seconds into the podcast right now. For those very loyal listeners that may not be Vikings fans or just, you know, have lived the moment far too much, just go ahead and skip ahead to five minutes on the podcast if you want to bypass the Vikings talk. For those of you who are... I don't know why you would. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, you want to stick around for this, please do. But um, going to allow Brian two minutes of, of thoughts, followed by Schaefer for two minutes. And then we'll uh, start again with the Husker talk at the five-minute mark. BC, you're on the clock. Go. I'm up right now. I have two yep. minutes. Okay. Oh, I I was uh, slumped in my couch just petting my dog with 10 seconds left, and I had already accepted defeat. Had you, Schaefer? Uh, kind of. I mean, I was I was clinging to the they can get a field goal attempt. I had no faith he would make it. You thought they were going to get that sideline pass. Guy was going to toe-tap. Something like that, and yeah. and they'd kick a fifty yarder, which they would have probably missed. Yeah, um, I, I never expected he would make a field. Yeah, and so I I think everybody had the same reaction, whether you're a Vikings fan or not. It was basically go out of bounds, go out of bounds, and then you're like, oh, and you just change, you completely just. I started just saying gibberish, like yeah. you know, until he was in the end zone, and uh, it, it, that was the best Viking moment of my life. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it was basically he makes that catch, and I'm screaming for him to get out of bounds, and then you realize there's nobody behind him. He turns upfield, and then it's just incomprehensible screaming. I turn around, and I picked up my dog, Slider, and uh, threw him in the air in celebration. Dogs I caught him. Big, dogs are a big part I of the Viking experience. And then I, I set him down, and he ran off into the other room, did not come back into the living room for a while. Uh, I had spent – the entire second half, I sent a text after they punted into the end zone. I sent a text to uh, to longtime podcast listener Josh Peterson saying that I felt incredibly nervous because of that punt and the way that possession went. And then from that point forward, I proceeded to just pace my entire living room, no less than 7,000 steps, I'm sure, throughout the rest of that game. I mean, it was uh, – as a Vikings fan, you sort of expected that they would have this sort of – do or die moment. I thought that was going to be the fourth down when it looked like they could get off the field and they would get the stop there. They already had the the fuel goal. I mean, the final three minutes of game time was just incredible in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, it it's honestly the reason why you watch sports. You're one of those games where you're like, I love sports, and you're like, man, I hate this. Why do I put myself through this with the team? Anybody can relate to this with the, their team of choice. But then you have those moments every once in a while where something completely unexpected happens. You don't see it coming, and it's just so great, and it makes you know five or ten terrible games feel worth it in that one moment. And, and Nebraska fans can relate with James Palmer hitting a game-winning three-pointer in a go. riveting contest of Big Ten basketball the following night. Bruns, do you have any thoughts on that? You guys still have a minute and 15 seconds. I suggest using every last second of this. All right. Well, I, the thing I'd say about it is I, 
Yes, the Vikings got lucky in the last 10 seconds that the New Orleans rookie safety just made the worst play of his life at that time. But had that game ended with a Saints win, I would have really felt like the Vikings trickled that game down their legs. The Vikings controlled it for two and a half to three quarters. And so I was listening to some commentary, and it insulted me a little bit, where it was like, oh, lucky Vikings. I get it if we're talking about one play. But the Saints were very fortunate to be in that situation to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I watched a game in 2010 between these two teams where Minnesota absolutely dominated the contest and Yard had like the dumbest to amount of turnovers, including just a dropped handoff on the 10-yard line going in. So I would rather be lucky than the team that apparently was supposed to win the game or however anybody wants to look at it. Uh, just happy to see the, the Vikings in this NFC Championship game, and now I'm incredibly nervous about a Nick Foles-led team, which I don't think I've ever said in my life. Five seconds. Matt O'Hanlon is not worried about Nick Foles, I can tell you that much. And that brings us back to <laughs> Nebraska talk with a very nice segue. A segue. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so that, that that was your Vikings four minutes of the podcast. Um, How did we do? Pretty well, I think. I'll be curious to see what, what percentage of people stuck with it and, and which people just kind of... Can you tell? Uh, eh, I don't know. We'll They'll let us know. Yeah, Our I, listeners I, I feel are, like, are pretty uh, active. You'll hear. Um, Let's start with basketball. Okay. Since you segued there, we can go there. Because, well, I mean, we're coming off of uh, two performances. One from, from BC correctly predicting what would happen with that Penn State game. And then you sending me the text of who was going to hit the the game-winning or apparent game-winning three for Illinois about a minute before it happens. So pretty good run of predictions there from you guys. So I think maybe we just jump into basketball and then we can finish this thing out with recruiting because there's a lot to talk about there. But we can we can knock off the basketball segment right here. I feel like if you would have just listened to me, um, you you could have really cleaned up from the people around you in Section 200. Just like turned around and, and started taking bets that that guy was going to make that shot. I uh, I was not in section two hundred for for that game. Um, it was a terrible game, maybe one of the worst Big Ten home games I've seen from Nebraska in a while. Reminded me a lot of the Ohio State rock fight contest that Nebraska has been in these last couple years. If you remember their last two home games against Ohio State, they had the one that went into overtime where the guy slapped the floor and Ty Webster went past him for the layup. Still the greatest GIF ever. And then uh, last year's contest where they blew it and they lost a one-point game down the stretch. Uh, it was just that sort of ugly basketball. And frankly, it's a little concerning coming off of that Penn State game. This is the worst team in the Big Ten in Illinois. Are they, though? Who's worse? They've lost three games in overtime and they lost a buzzer beater. Who's worse? Northwestern? Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota just beat Penn State. They're awful. They just beat Penn State I don't on think, the road. I don't Nebraska think, couldn't do that. I don't think Penn State's good either. I mean, I... So you're, you're, the, the, you got an eight-way tie for worst? There's a lot of pretty middling teams in the Big Ten this year. Which like, is concerning to me with Nebraska because I feel like they're an elevator team that plays up and plays down a lot. Didn't you know it was kind of going to be a struggle, though, with the Jordy thing hanging out there and coming off the Penn State loss? You, it felt like one of those games going in where 
they were going to have to win it kind of like that. It was going to be like a three to five point game, I guess a one point game in this case. Yeah. But it was going to go down to the last couple possessions. And Nebraska just missed opportunities to put it away. I thought with five or six minutes left, like, okay, they're, they got, they're going to pull away and win it by eight, nine points here. And it just never happened. Yeah. I mean, when you dig into the stats of that game, like, Nebraska probably had no business winning. Like, well, how many offensive rebounds? Oh, rebounded they by allowed? 17. They were, they were all rebounded by 17, gave up 18 offensive Jeez. rebounds, was 5 of 23 from three-point range in that game. Uh, had about three air balls from the left corner. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah Roby almost killed a guy on live TV. That was amazing. Um, <laughs> there was just a lot going on in that game. I mean, Illinois forces that kind of play, but I, I feel like every year – in the Big Ten, there's always like one or two games that if you win it and it's just like completely inexplicable how you win it, you just kind of like shrug and move on. Quickly shuffle off the floor, get to the locker room and get the hell out of Pinnacle Bank Arena as quickly as you can because, I mean, Illinois is not good. I mean, I, I was being a little facetious, but I, I think that they're kind of in that group of Northwestern, Iowa, Iowa Nebraska I would put in there. Minnesota. Oh, Nebraska's in that group. Penn State. They don't want to be in that group. They don't want to be in that That's group. That's a bad group. But there's somebody is going to emerge from that group. Into the next group? In, of into, the, into the next group. So. How many teams would you say are good in the Big Ten? Three? Purdue, Michigan State. I would put Michigan in there. Okay. I think they're going to be pretty for, formidable, formidable uh, by the time conference play is done. Ohio State, like I feel like they're kind of playing with house money right now. Maybe that's not correct, but I, I don't. Those know. are Nebraska's next two opponents, though. right? I mean, this is the the kind of basically Nebraska just needs to make it to February, and they've got a pretty program. They've got a pretty good <laughs> stretch. Not shut it down. Yeah, just keep, keep <laughs> trudging ahead. Um, if James Palmer doesn't hit that shot, though, don't you think that's everybody? basically clicking the TV off on this season. Yeah, I mean, the I, average fan. I think everybody kind of gets up, collects their things, and gets off the train well, at that point. Well, it's getting kind of late. Yeah. Better head out. Yeah. <laughs> kind of deal, yeah. Like, oh, we've arrived. Everybody just quietly shuffle out. You don't think there'd be the Tim Miles profiles about the team and the season and Well, I, I think the on, the, on the heels of the Jordy stuff, I mean, he's staying – but I, I think that you would see a few more bigger kind of what's going on here type pieces um, had that shot not gone down. And like I said, I mean, that's one of those games where like you just kind of – I think there would be more made of that game either way than what there should be. How would you feel if you were in that locker room and a teammate did what Jordy did? Would you be able to trust that guy the rest of the year? Or do you think – Modern athletes, guys these days, they're just like, eh, he just he wasn't sure. He's back now. Here we go. I mean, what do you think? I would struggle with it, and largely because <clears throat> you're a guy in that locker room. You see someone that's started almost every game for him, right? Uh, yeah, that he was around for. And, yeah, and played one of his best games yeah. just before he. And I I would see someone that was starting, was playing, and we're having success as a team. Who's quitting? Like what? What more is it that he wants? That's how I would view it. 
obviously, I mean, it's a little bit different for a college, <coughs> excuse me, a college athlete in that situation. But it is, uh, it's hard for me to fathom what it is that you're hoping to gain in that situation. If, if you want to do leave, you do want to leave, you have a great opportunity as a starter, as a player on a team that's being successful, to put together the sort of game film that you would want to be able to give you the opportunity to go play where you want to go play. Because if he wants to leave because he wants better opportunities somewhere, you're not going to do that with your game film from the first half of the season. kind of wonder, too, I mean, it, you know, it, it seems like there was maybe an assumption made that if he were to leave that he wouldn't have to sit. Like, there, there just seems to be, to me, a disconnect of like, hey, I'm thinking about leaving. At the same time, I might have to sit out 18 months to get before I get back on the floor. Like, I guess that's kind of the, the thing I would wonder as a teammate is, is like, okay, are you, are you in on this thing or are you just coming back because no, you, you're, you, yeah. you want to get it across the finish line? I mean, like, I, I think that Jordy's pretty popular with his teammates, so that's not a huge issue, but that would be one thing I would wonder in my mind is like, how in, invested are you in this and thing? And he seems like, this is just from a distance. You've seen him up close, but he seems like a really enjoyable fella. Like, you know, ever since he's been here, I've always kind of enjoyed him on social media, and he seems like kind of a, a smart kid. And that's why it was so peculiar to me to just see that pop up. I, I mean, maybe you guys felt it was brewing, but I, I, I didn't see it. I think Nebraska was pretty blindsided by yeah. the whole thing on Thursday um, before they left for Penn State. I mean, I – I think everybody knew there was maybe some issues, but I don't think anyone expected that it would be mid-season. No, and especially not then. I mean, right. you would expect it like in December or something right. like that. Right. But not coming off of the game that he had played. <laughs> right. Yeah, the whole thing just was odd. I, I I think you do have to give Nebraska credit for the way they handled things because, I mean, Tim Miles has supported him through a pretty lousy first semester of games. Um. You know, I'll be curious to see how much he plays uh, if he starts right out of the gates tomorrow night. But it's not really a great matchup for him. No, it's not. That is the worst matchup for Nebraska's team. I yeah. just think that the passing of Michigan and the stress that it puts on your defense versus a team that has struggled until this year, really, defending the three-point line. So that's going to put that at play a little bit. And, I mean, Illinois had a ton of three-point shots. They couldn't hit anything. I don't know how much of that was defense, how much was Illinois being Illinois, but I promise you Michigan will not be shooting that poorly on Thursday night. So Nebraska's offense has to come to play too. The Illinois win, though, did give us a semi-big game to watch Thursday. I mean, if they if they can come out and get that one, that would – I mean, that's a, that, scalp. that's a big win. They're, what are they ranking right now, 22nd, 23rd? 23rd, I believe. Yeah. I mean – Best win of the season, right? Yeah, I mean it's and it's one of the last opportunities Nebraska has to get one of those wins. I mean, you've got Michigan, you've got Ohio State right after, and that's pretty much it. So you got to win one of the two, I think, um, in order to kind of stay in that conversation, whatever that conversation is, whether it's NIT or bubble or if they catch. According to you, worst team in the Big Ten among the group. Among the group. <laughs> well, when we made predictions last week, I think at one point I thought if they 
we were talking about three games or so, and if I thought if they could go two and one, they're in. I'll, you could take that. Now it wouldn't be the two and one you'd expect because you'd expect them to beat Penn State yep. and Illinois. But if they were to actually win and go two and one, this would be a better two and one than the one I was envisioning actually, because at least you'd have. I mean, the Penn State losses bad but it's on the road it's not the worst thing i don't think it's world. a killer yeah that's loss. not the one they put next to incarnate R- word or anything rpi you know? wise and computer wise i mean penn state's a better team than nebraska yeah. is yeah. so so that would be a good two and one stretch if they could pull that out but well anybody think they can i think it's gonna be cl- i think it'll be I'll, i'd pick michigan but i think it'll be a game in in single digits with Nebraska with a chance with four minutes left, and somebody's going to have to hit a couple big shots. Still the one team that Nebraska has not beaten since joining the Big Ten. Yeah. It's one. funny because it's the, the, what, first Big Ten game they played? Well, they lost on a putback? In the in the, the PBA, I mean. It was the first Big Ten that they played, um, and they almost won it on the Terran Petaway layup or Leslie Smith put back yeah that's right yeah, and since then they haven't <laughs> been within what eight points was that I mean, the year they lost the the buzzer beater the 2013-14 was the year they lost the, the buzzer from that point forward i don't know if they've been within eight points and michigan was the team that absolutely eviscerated them at home last year like the worst loss in building history yeah, and that's, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think this Michigan team strikes me as one of those that down the stretch is going to end up being a lot, you know, in, in the conversation for a Big Ten title. Like, I think they, they've got that kind of talent. That guy's such a good coach, too. Yeah. I always appreciate a guy, a college coach that looks like a substitute teacher. Like, he's always he got does. the sleeves rolled up. He looks more like a vice principal, I think. Yeah. But... Got Kevin Pitznagel to an Elite Eight, I believe, with West Virginia, didn't he? Wasn't uh, he the head man then? I think that's what... Uh, that's his claim to fame? That was like his tramp, is, trampoline yeah. jump into the Michigan job. Well, his, his claim to fame is Spike Albrecht in Michigan losing to, uh, what, Louisville in the national title game? Yeah, they... they That was a good... That was a fun Michigan Mitch McGarry game. and Spike Albrecht and... 2002-2007, West Virginia, and then uh, uh-huh. launched him to Michigan. He he beat Creighton in a close game in the in the dance one year. And he, he probably would have – I mean, West Virginia is a pretty good job, but he seems like a guy who would maybe even been higher up on the pecking order in college basketball if he didn't look like a substitute teacher. <laughs> I wonder if that, like, held him back for a while. Well, I thought everybody thought his <laughs> offense was just like a gimmick that wouldn't work. Yeah. They're like, yeah, and he looks like – you know, he's subbing for Mrs. Anderson. Or for Bo Ryan. The yeah. gimmick? No, just... the, the substitute teacher <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Bo Ryan looks more like a substitute teacher to me. Yeah. And like the substitute teacher that you hate that's just like needlessly a jerk. Well, Bo Ryan was the guy. He's that, needlessly a jerk. Yeah, you had to be careful post-game. He'd kind of you'd be asking him a question, then he'd come out of nowhere and kind of na- Knife stab you right in the side. Would calling Bo Ryan prickly be too too soft? But I don't think he was prickly in like a mean way. Like I think he like like I unless you consider like 
getting enjoyment from being mean to be prickly. I think I think he was, yeah. Wasn't his reaction after the no sit Sunday game like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it was all right. He asked, <laughs> he asked a, a TV reporter if the TV reporter had ever been anywhere before, which <laughs> I which I was kind of taken aback by at the time. But you gotta you gotta appreciate a little little parrying <laughs> yeah, I mean, and a little thrusting in the post game. When Mike Leach gets those questions and he rattles off like. 10 stadiums it's comical when Bo Ryan gets that question he throws it back in the reporter's face after what arguably was probably the best atmosphere he had seen his team play in that year and not that good yeah he's seen better (laughs) yeah I'm sure Bo Ryan I think Bo Ryan kind of looks I don't mean to insult him but I I've always thought he kind of looks like Bucky the Badger like he kind of (laughs) has I well, don't mean to insult him, but. <laughs> but I just did, I guess. I, th- I think he resembles him. I don't know I, that you, I've got anything to come back if to. If you that. put them together, you'd be like, that's about as close as you can get to a mascot coach. No, I kind of want you to go through <laughs> coaches of other schools and how close they are to their mascots. It can be a topic next week, maybe. I'll do some homework. <laughs> I like it. Anything else we want to add on basketball here? So a loss, a loss, and a loss. Six, uh, seven point Michigan win. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say five. Give me the double digits. Ooh, oh, man. What, do we know what the line is on this? That's what the stats department was just looking at. All right. Well, uh, the you know maybe something in Nebraska's favor a little bit. James Palmer rebounded nicely from an ugly game against Penn State. Um, I do wonder if Nebraska wouldn't have had a better chance of winning in the last nineteen seconds of that game with their best offensive player on the court, uh, as he proved against Illinois. But it was a good bounce-back game for him. They're going to need him, especially in these games against Michigan and Ohio State, because he is that one guy that can get you offense. Uh, And seemingly, I mean, he had a bad night against Penn State, but really hasn't had those nights very often. So they they could use James Palmer a lot down the stretch. So it was good to see that that bounce-back performance from him. Still statting away over here. Keep going. <laughs> well, our stats department is very slow today. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the uh, the basketball team, Brian? Um, no, not really, Mike. <laughs> right, well, stats department still struggling to come up with a line. Wow, three and a half points. Michigan favored by. No, that's what the uh, what the offshore guys say. Wow. Nebraska's good in the PBA. Yep. You guys give me a couple seconds here. I got to step away for a minute to make a phone call. <laughs> got to call your guy. Yes. Uh, Who's a Saints fan, by the way? So I don't know if he's going to, you know. Just call and yell at him. Take that action. Recruiting? Anything going on in recruiting? Well, they had a visit weekend. They did. They got a commitment. They got a couple commitments, actually. Breon Dixon. Committed to Nebraska over the weekend, the Ole Miss transfer linebacker. Uh, I think we've hit on him quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. But just to recap, I mean, he's a six foot, two hundred and ten, two hundred and fifteen pound defender that could play nickelback, could play safety, could play linebacker, could play a little bit of pass rush defensive end and on an obvious passing situation. You let him use his speed on the edge. Someone that you can tell the staff really likes those kind of players that can move around. The 
the the defense a little bit because you can match him up against running backs out of the backfield. He's physically strong enough that he can play some tight ends, even though he's not the tallest guy in the world. And he can play in space. And when you have a guy that can do that, you don't have to take him off the field and you can move him around. It, that versatility really allows you to be creative with your defense. And you would think he'd be allowed to play right away. Yeah, that's going to be the big thing with, with Shea Patterson. Uh, decision whenever the NCAA makes that, but that'll have um, ramifications for all of those guys. I mean, I wouldn't think the NCAA, although you never know with them. Sometimes they apparently uh, want to me, look as bad like as possible. But yeah, Have that shot, but you just never know. At the very least, Nebraska has them in for the spring. He'll have an opportunity to go to work right away. to have four years for three seasons. So if he has to sit out, he has that redshirt year mm-hmm. available. He doesn't lose a year of eligibility. He'd be able to come in as a sophomore redshirt. But if he is able to play, that's somebody that can kind of replace Marcus Newby's spot a little bit in the defense last year. Uh, though we don't really know what exactly the Eric Shenander Nebraska defense is going to look like, especially in the spring, because if Luke Gifford's one of your top three, four outside linebackers, he's not going to be practicing this spring. You got a wide open room for and competition for a lot of guys. Quayshawn Alexander, Guy Thomas. Is Alex Davis going to be a defensive end or a three four outside linebacker? Same with Cedric King. So there's going to be a lot, you know, happening at that position in particular. Even Ben Stilley is technically listed as a linebacker, although I don't know if most would consider him that. But it, the, yeah, there's like five or six, seven guys that you name off where I you wonder exactly how this staff labels them. Is there defensively, I mean, it, how many guys do you feel like really have kind of set positions in that, in, in the back half in of the, the defense? Yeah. I mean, like, it just seems like there's so many guys that fit well, that Well, I think category. Aaron Williams is a safety. Aside from that. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know if I know of anyone that I would, I mean, the corners are corners, but which ones are going to be playing, I don't know. Um, Jojo Doman's got to fit somewhere. Yeah, he's he's sort of Breon Dixon-esque in his own right, where he could play all over that back seven. We don't even know. I mean, he could have added an extra 20 pounds of muscle here since the last time we've seen him, uh, and that wouldn't shock me either. He, he always was a potential for a late growth spurt to move up to the linebacker spot. Deontay Williams, another guy that – you know, could be a nickel, could be safety, could be – I mean, he's not that much smaller than, than Dixon is. Do you think so. they're just going to have a hat and they all draw <laughs> as to what they're – okay. You're a safety today. You're We're running out to that spot. Antonio Reed. That's going to be the entire spring, though, right there. You know, we'll be figuring out who is where by three weeks in. I mean, it still might not be completely solved. Yeah. Well, and then, the I mean, this staff says they're going to let freshmen play, and so then you'll have those guys in the mix in August. And depending on who they get down the stretch, don't know where they're going to all factor in either. The one thing I really like, though, I was looking at, because I'm doing a breakdown right now of the linebackers, and you got to give Trent Bray credit. He he recruited it pretty well, and it's it's well distributed by class. If you actually look at the, the linebackers, like it's pretty even – 
almost four in each class. There would have been if they wouldn't have made the mistake of playing. I called a mistake of playing Avery Roberts last year and just let him redshirt. But I like just how balanced it is. And I think that's going to help this staff going forward where that's not one of those position groups where they have to scramble necessarily to make the numbers look right. You know, they have to keep upgrading talent, but the numbers themselves look okay. Well, and that's and especially a far cry from where it was when Trent Bray took yeah, over. He inherited one of the biggest messes possible. And, I mean, you, you've got Andrew Ward there, uh, Willie Hampton's there. I mean, there's – Mo Berry. Like, where does Mo Berry fit right. in all of this? Tyron Ferguson, Colin Miller. Like, where are these guys going to play? They, there's a lot of interesting names there. I, I, it's not – I mean, they have to prove they can do it, but you, you can't look at that group and what they've accomplished coming into here and say they didn't get some talent in here. I mean, they're – I think Barrett Rood and Coach DeWitt, they're going to look at those guys and say, okay, we this isn't bad, you know, as at least as a starting point. And guys that fit a more attacking style of defense than what they played last year too. I mean, that's the, the thing that's kind of hard to wrap your head around is, you know, you've got some guys that I think are okay playing in space, especially – you know, Barry, I think Gifford proved he can do that pretty well. Um, and, and some guys that are a little bit undersized, too. I mean, you know, Andrew Ward wasn't huge uh, when he got on campus. Another guy that I, I think could play somewhere. So I, I, don't, I don't think the transition is going to be as tough as maybe what it was three years ago. He was the guy last week, Chris Weber, at that uh, event where the Husker seniors were honored. He brought up Andrew Ward. He says keep an eye on him. And Chris Weber, I don't think, is the type of guy who just, like, throws names out for fun. So I I, uh, I would I would watch him closely. Wasn't there, like, a brief period during the fall, too, where, like, he, his name was brought mm-hmm. up as a potential guy that could, could burn the red shirt? Yeah, it was one of those, like, kind of early November, late October where Mike Riley was saying, you're like, no, don't, don't do that, Mike. You know, you've already – that's at least what you've, I was thinking. You've burned enough red shirts. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with most of the guys they burned last year. This is a whole separate can, can of worms. But Avery Roberts just it felt like that was going to take off much more than it did when they. I thought, okay, he's going to get on the field by like the fifth or sixth game, you know. And it never happened. Um, yeah, he had a good spring. Yeah, I I think he can be a really good player. I I just have to think, you know, he wishes he were a redshirt freshman right now. Or just a random thumb injury that never got <laughs> yeah. written down in the yeah, annals that, of the... That, should, that trick's been pulled a few times. Should we set up the week a little bit? Um, well, there was another commitment we that actually talk, happened last night. Let's talk about that. Casey Rogers commits to Nebraska, a prep school defensive lineman that was most notable during his high school career as a lacrosse player. His father, the lacrosse coach at Syracuse, he commits to Nebraska to play defensive end, and he's kind of one of the unique names in this class because he's he's definitely a project. But there was some big-time schools that knew about Casey Rogers that got him on campus, had interest, wanted to see where he was athletically, and Nebraska, the, the boxes were checked, and they were ready to, to go ahead and have him come in and join Tate Wildeman as, as the future defensive ends for this class to kind of build around. 
Should we assume that he's going to enjoy a similar amount of success early in his career, similar to J.D. Spielman because of the lacrosse connection? Or will he have the sort of lacrosse success of one Zach Hannon, best known for blocking a punt? <laughs> and how did he block that punt? With his hind parts. <laughs> his buttocks. I mean, there's the that's a pretty wide, wide spectrum. Wide lacrosse. And I was, line, I was lobbing that one up for you if you wanted to take it. But well, I didn't know which way you were going to go, so I got kind of excited. I forgot Zach Hannon even played lacrosse, so that was kind of a nice little tidbit for me. Brunts was all over the Zach Hannon as a lacrosse <laughs> you, player. You studied that lacrosse career pretty thoroughly. Well, it was, I mean, when you have a 300-pound guy telling you he plays <laughs> it lacrosse, it, yeah. it's, uh, it's like for a while, I think, whenever Nebraska would offer a prospect in Georgia, they would be like, yeah, I play tennis. Like, that's what I do in the spring. And you're like, wait, what? Like, there's one guy named Jay Woods that ended up starting like three years at uh, um, at Vanderbilt as a defensive tackle. And he was like a, a four-year letter winner in tennis. I'm like, how the hell does that work? <laughs> He's a very effective double specialist. Yeah, just stand him at the net and let him go. But with, with Casey Rogers, I mean, I think they saw an opportunity. You get another defensive end in the class. They don't know what's going to happen with Daniel Carson. And then there's the uh, recent – what are you giggling about over there? Sorry. Nothing. Continue. He's giggling. It's, stats department's laughing over here. Oh, yeah? Did you come across a fascinating stat? I did. Continue, though. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the professionalism is oh, just man. unreal. It's good. All right. Well, I'll start again. Nebraska added a second defensive end in the class. Daniel Carson is still out there. Uh, they had him in for a visit. They have a Italian defensive end whose name I will just refer to as Baldonado. Uh, his first name I have no chance of pronouncing. And he's only played American football for a few years and has only played football in America for one season in which he had 30 and a half sacks uh, in that one season for his Clearwater High School. Nebraska was one of the, maybe the fourth team that had offered him at that point. I think he's now up to six or seven offers. He's coming in for a visit in late February. Kind of another similar situation to Casey Rogers where he got a six foot five, 230 pound kind of freak athlete, maybe you see what he's capable of doing if there's that roster spot late and they think that his athleticism can help him out. Brunt's is still close to giggling over there. He actually just got re-rated, um, according to uh, us at 24-7 Sports, now a uh, three-star, 87 overall. So wow. the climb continues. Is that what you were giggling about? No, that's unrelated to what I was giggling about. Right. Uh so you've got Nebraska kind of closing in on the close of this class. Um, limited number of visits left, limited number of spots. A number of guys are you know, saying they're going to come in February 2nd. What, what do the next two weeks look like, I guess, of official visits if you have? Well, right now there's only one confirmed official visit for this weekend, and that's Jashon Corbin. And we know that visit's going to happen because he's Nebraska's top or 1A, 1B kind of running back target to Maurice Washington, who they have to figure out where things are at academically. Um, Then you have Blake McDonald listed for the weekend after that, and even that visit's in question. So they could, I mean, I would imagine they're going to try to fill in 
some of these visit weekends. Uh, John Garcia of uh, 24-7 Sports just highlighted someone who could be coming in the, the 25th, 26th. Uh, so be sure to check that out if you're a VIP member of our site. Um, so there's all these visits set up for February 2nd, which kind of makes me laugh because I don't think any of them are going to happen. The only ones that might, I mean, maybe Tayshawn Henry based on Nebraska's running back situation, maybe this defensive end from Clearwater, the Italian based on uh, if there's an extra spot, they don't get a Caleb Tanner at linebacker or a Javante Jean-Baptiste. Uh, so you have that extra spot for maybe a pass rushing kind of guy that you can take a chance on. I don't see Dominic Watt coming in for a visit. I don't see the lineman coming in for a visit. Tyrone Sampson uh, is certainly going to be coming in for a visit that weekend. And he's someone that Nebraska's chances for have really elevated. He's a four-star center that played in the Army All-American Bowl. Uh, kind of a really nice coup uh, for Nebraska to be able to, to slide in and late December and and now you're the presumptive favorite for a guy of that caliber so he's someone that would be coming in that weekend everybody else kind of a toss-up what would you say okay if you're to break it down as simply as you can right now with the spots left by position what would what would you say is still left I think that they would like one more two offensive athletes one that's a quarterback the other being Miles Jones, who I expect to commit by the end of this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miles Jones visited this past weekend, decommitted from Vanderbilt after the visit. Scott Frost and friends go in home on Thursday. That should basically wrap right. that all up. Uh, and then Matthew Tago looks like he's a front runner for the offensive athlete quarterback spot there. And then one running back, one wide receiver, one to two linemen pending Samson, and if they can get Jarrett Bell, who they had in this weekend – they can't get Jarrett Bell, then Hamilton Hall becomes the the tackle that they would want. Uh, so those are kind of the names that, mm-hmm. that matter in that situation. Then you flip over to the defensive side, and I think they want one pass rusher at linebacker, whoever they can get there. They've gotten another defensive end. They would take Daniel Carson if they could get him. They would take a nose tackle if they can get him. And they would take probably two defensive backs um, if they can get who they want there as well. So there's – in those numbers, there's room for them to add maybe six, seven more people. Mm-hmm. And some of that's all going to be dependent. I mean, maybe you don't take a second quarterback if you're able to get a nose tackle. Maybe you take the second quarterback if you only find one corner you really want. Right. I mean, it's, so it's going to be very fluid. But the positions we know for sure that they're really going to try to get, they want another tackle, they want another running back, they want another wide receiver, they want – one pass rusher, and they want a corner. That's so good. that's five. The other two spots kind of fluid from there. That was a good breakdown right there. That was a good Cliff's Notes breakdown. Well, I, I was helped out because Bruns didn't come across something that made him laugh on his Yeah, computer. I'm still waiting for that. I'm stone-faced over here. There's nothing to laugh about. <laughs> it's not funny anymore. I'm thinking horrible things over here to keep myself from laughing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's good. Uh, Brian, you've been around town a bit uh you were at you were at the (laughs) what's that supposed to mean (laughs) where'd you see me (laughs) i wasn't there around uh you were at the outland the outland i was uh, there yeah that's another town around the (laughs) o-town um what what were kind of your takeaways from that event you got to speak a little bit with uh 
some current Nebraska assistant coaches uh, before they hit the road again. Yeah, I thought, well, first off, I thought it was a cool gesture by the staff. I mean, they didn't coach any of those guys, and I didn't necessarily expect them to be there. And Ryan Held, Greg Austin, and Barrett Rude come in, and I think it was a nice touch. All three of them played at Nebraska. And actually, when Barrett Rude introduced Chris Weber for his Tom Novak award, he gave a really nice little speech about Chris, even though he didn't play for him. I, I just think those are the little things uh, that matter. I talked mostly to uh, Barrett Rude. Um, and you talk about a guy who's just on fire for his new position. I mean, uh, coming back to his alma mater, I think the thing he stresses is, you know, when he goes and recruits, he's lived in, he's walked in their shoes. And I, I do think there's an advantage to that. He knows exactly how those kids are feeling as recruits and then how they would feel playing at the University of Nebraska and all the pressure that goes with it. And you guys know Barrett. He's just a really relatable guy. I mean, He's one of those guys you feel like you can just go up to and not know him at all, and he's going to be really friendly and not big timey or anything like that. And so I think he's going to be a really good recruiter. That's just a prediction based off having watched him as a person for 10 years and how I think he will relate to other people. But um, I also think, you know, he's, he'll be a pretty good coach because, I mean, he, he played the position as about as well as anybody at Nebraska played in the league for seven or eight years. And, um, I, I, you know, some people will say, Oh, why'd you hire this guy who hasn't coached before, but they have to understand he basically coached that position at central Florida. They just didn't have a 10th assistant. Now they do. So he was of course going to come. That's what I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. As Forrest Gump said. All right, well, anything else we need to cover here Nebraska-wise? Kind of ran through recruiting. We ran through basketball. Brunt's baseball starts up in how many days? Uh, we are within 10 days of the start of Nebraska baseball practice. They begin practice on January 26th, so nothing yet. But next week we can chit-chat a bit about that if you want to. Right, and what was the time to break down the Philadelphia Eagles and what we know about them? Uh... Yeah. Why do you have Eagles colors on? These are A's colors. These aren't Eagles colors. Fly yeah, Eagles they're fly. They're pretty similar. Well, I, mean, I have a Randall Cunningham jersey in there. Would you say it's there. more Philadelphia colors? I mean, it's gray and because green. Because it used to be the Philadelphia Athletics? Maybe so. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't a, really piece it together until now. I'm, I'm a, a little slow, so. but I don't like it. He's just got uncomfortable in the room. It takes me about an hour to catch on to things, but when I do. <laughs> laser <laughs> laser focus. Oh. All right, well, Wait, I, what was the funny stat? Is that not coming out? No. Oh. It was just a stupid <laughs> gif. I'm sorry. It was, it, was a Vince Mc, it was an ill-timed Vince McMahon gif that made me laugh, or gif, if All you right. prefer. That's pretty much where I'll leave it. I prefer gif. But. Okay. All right, well, that train wreck of a plane landing at the end of this uh, train wreck of a plane landing. <laughs> it's, it's getting worse. That also describes how poor that analogy The inflatable was. ramps are coming out. People are starting to jump off. Right, well, let's talk about something everybody can appreciate, and that's Nebraska.247sports.com, yeah. which is a place that you can go for all of your news, all of your recruiting news, your team news, your basketball news. We've got it all, and we have great experts like Steve Wilpfong that seem to drop by every day this time of year. 
giving us predictions on who's going to commit to Nebraska, breaking commitments, uh, all those sorts of things. And there's now added bonus of being a VIP member. You can take advantage of the fact that you'll get to know about the crystal ball predictions before anybody else does. And you can watch all the people on Twitter tweet at us and ask why these are now VIP predictions. But you'll be in the know. <laughs> Sound good? They don't have to be one of the people who are mad at us about it. There will be people mad at us. They're just in on it. And if you're one of those people mad at us, why don't you give it a try, free exactly. seven-day trial? And you might even like it. You might like it enough that you want to stick around and be a part of the Nebraska.24-7 sports community. But if not, you can always listen to us each week on the Nebraska 24-7 podcast.